0: Well, we come to the final in our series of the I Am Sayings of Jesus. And as Ash would say, it has been a short series because it's just been in the month of August. But here we are at the last one. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why don't we pray before we begin? Let's just pray together. Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we have your word in our hands as we meet this morning. Thank you that we can look into it and we could see what you would have us know about yourself and about your son. Lord, please help us to listen and to see what you would have us hear. Lord God, please apply it to our hearts. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I'd like you to imagine that you are on an aeroplane. You are on an aeroplane flying out somewhere from the UK. Um, And you are on this aeroplane, actually going on holiday. But here is the twist. You are going on holiday to a destination that is secret. And it is secret because a friend of yours has decided they want to give you a holiday with a secret location. Uh, Perhaps you have a big birthday coming up. So there you are, three hours into the flight, very relaxed. And as you sit there, you are looking through the list of movies you want to choose the next one to watch out of the corner of your eye you notice that the captain of the flight is walking down the aisle he is walking down the aisle and from what you can see he's having nice cheery chats with the passengers so you think to yourself isn't that nice it's really good to see the captain of the flight the chief pilot out talking to people you return to your list of movies star wars breakfast at Tiffany's, uh, The Greatest Showman, and oh look, there's a documentary on Toes. Suddenly you notice that the captain of the flight is standing next to you, and he looks like he wants to say hello. So you take your headphones off, and he says hello and introduces himself, and you do the same. How is the flight going, he asks. You say, it's great, I'm just about to choose my next movie, I've had a few snacks, as well. Wonderful! And is there anything else I can do for you on this flight? You say, no, it's all going really well. That's really good. He then pauses and you notice his demeanour changes and he says to you in a voice that only you can hear. Well actually, there is something you could help me with. Don't be alarmed at this, but I haven't the faintest idea how to get to our destination today. You smile, that's really funny. My friend has put you up to that, haven't they? Or is it my aunt, her humour works like that. The captain's face looks blank. So you try again, you are joking, aren't you? You notice now that the captain has beads of sweat coming down his forehead and he looks a bit unwell. He gulps, I'm really sorry, but I am completely lost. You are speechless. He straightens up and he says, Well, not to worry. I'm sure we'll fumble our way through. Look, I can see I've interrupted you choosing a film. I hear that the documentary on Toads is rather good. He then does an about turn and walks back to the cabin. You are in turmoil. You have no idea what's going on. It's not what you expect of a captain on a long-haul flight. You are completely bewildered. Well, that is a situation I hope you are never in. But in a real sense, the disciples in our passage are feeling just that. It's those feelings of frustration and disappointment as you are trusting someone to lead you and they don't do what you think. And that change of situation to not be what you expect. You see, because for the disciples in our passage, they have just been told by Jesus that he is going to leave them. To give you some more context, it's around AD 30, 36, we are in Roman Palestine. The Romans have invaded and they are in charge of the Jewish population in that area. Or they have got King Herod installed as the puppet king. For the last three years, Jesus has been speaking to the people in and around Jerusalem. They have responded with words like, we have never had anyone speak to us like this person they have seen Jesus do miracles and signs which have made them think this is God like and perhaps this is the one that the scriptures prophesied about and surely he must be from God and the disciples the 12 disciples have been following Jesus throughout all this time they have witnessed the miracles and everything everything he has done and they have been taught by him They have given up everything to be with him. But now, gathered in this upper room, Jesus is telling them things that they don't really want to hear. Jesus is speaking about a betrayal. He is speaking about denial amongst the disciples. And then he tells them he is about to leave them, adding that they know the way to where he is going. You can almost imagine the shock and anxiety amongst the disciples It is out of this bewilderment that Thomas speaks. And we see that in verse 5. Let's read that together. Chapter 14 and verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Thomas poses two questions. Where is this destination that Jesus speaks of? And secondly, how do we get there? And underlying these two questions is the main issue, which is, with Jesus going, what do they do now? Well, let's try and answer those two questions. And with our answers, conclude by looking at this final I am saying of Jesus and see what it says to this issue of Lord Jesus, what do we do now? So the destination, what is this destination that Jesus speaks of? Well, Jesus has already spoken about this destination earlier in the passage. If we turn to chapter 14 and verses 2 to 3, we see it there. Let's read that together. Jesus says, My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I not have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So there it is, that's the destination. It is the Father's house. Why don't we look at those two verses where Jesus speaks about it and try and draw out a few things about this place? Well, firstly, it is a distinct place, not a concept or an idea. It is a real place where the disciples of Jesus will live with him and abide with him. Secondly, everything of God. Permeates the setup of this place. It is ordered by God the Father. It's full of His generosity, joy, and wisdom. A phrase we often use describing this place is like being at God's table. And the image there is of being at a feast where God has provided everything. And everything is the best of fare. Every single experience is the best of. And God the Father is there. There is no obstacle in the way. There is nothing in between. You are in God's house. And thirdly, Jesus describes the Father's house as a place with somewhere for each of his disciples. This is a place where you are known. It's a place where you abide with God in his house. And amazingly, it has a place designed just for you. Everything for your blessing. You are loved. In addition, we can say there is no pain or evil, no tears. Certainly not the fear and confusion and that sense of danger the disciples would have had. It's a wonderful place, sustained by the eternal God. Well, okay, that is the destination. But how about getting there? That is Thomas's second question. How do we get there? And here is the problem. Because while we can clearly state where the destination is, getting there in our own efforts is impossible. Impossible just like our imagined lost plane, which can't get to its destination because it doesn't know how to get there, even though all the passengers really want it to get there. You see, throughout human history, individuals, people groups, nations, even civilizations have tried to define How to get to God. Albeit that their description of the Father's house isn't the same as what Jesus has told us in verses 2 and 3. But still, they would have given you many answers of how to get to that place. Some would say that to get to that place you just need to keep lots of rules and do some religious duties. That should get you there. Others would say you need to do as many nice and good and charitable things as possible. Do that throughout all of your life. There will be so many answers, and as you look at them, you'd notice that they would be contradictory. Some would say, do this. Others would say, do the complete opposite. It's no wonder that with so many baffling answers, people tend to do just what that lost captain said that we started with. Just put your headphones on and find as much entertainment as possible, just to distract yourself. Do anything, rather than think about the main issue, which is, where is this life leading to? Instead, just fumble through life, and um, don't worry about the destination, hopefully it won't matter. And even amongst all these many answers that you would get from human history, you would notice a a trend, because even the most dogmatic of descriptions would have a caveat about reaching God relating to your performance or rather the wrong things you do that bar you from getting into the Father's house. The Bible is quite clear on this. It calls that insurmountable barrier the thing that stops us getting into the Father's house, sin. It's the inability of all of us every day to not live up to the high standards that God would have us do or put another way, it's our rebellious actions towards Him. It creates a barrier between us and God, rather like that last gate in a castle. It's called a Portcullis, you might try and get to this gate. You might swim through the moat. You might climb up the steep walls, but that last gate you just can't get through. It's impossible. This barrier which prevents you getting into the castle. And that is like our sin. It's a barrier that stops us going to God. It's a barrier that stops us getting into the Father's house. So there we are. While we know where the destination is, getting there is confusing, controversial, and because of our sin, that barrier is impossible. What about the disciples in our passage? What about them getting to the Father's house? Well, as far as they are concerned, they don't know what to do. Jesus is leaving, and they're lost. Thomas has said, we're not sure where you're going to, Jesus. And later on, Philip says in that passage, effectively, we need some help here. But in a matter of hours, Jesus is about to leave them and making a way open to this impossible destination. Shortly after the meal, Jesus will be arrested. He will be falsely condemned. He will be nailed to a tree and left to die. But the real pain of the cross for Jesus was having his Father's anger burn against him, burn against him for sin, which wasn't his own. But once having endured the cross, having risen again, he reaches his goal for the disciples and all those that look to him, because he makes a way open to God. Because in Jesus, that barrier of sin is broken down. He takes the punishment away for us. And he suffers in our place. It's a complete swap. So Jesus did leave them, but he was leaving to prepare a place for them. By rising, by dying and rising again. So given this great sacrifice, given this thing that Jesus has done which is hard to understand... How will this help our disciples? Remember that their real issue is, what do we do now that Jesus is gone? We have no idea what to do. For the last three years, their job description has been, disciple of Jesus, following him, and now he's gone. Well, what Jesus wants them to do, what he encourages us to do, is to believe in him. He says it in the first verse of this chapter, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. They need to believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he will do for them what he has promised. And they can have full confidence that Jesus can do these things because of the cross. In essence, they need to believe the words of this last I am saying of Jesus that we're looking at in John's Gospel. In verse 6 it says... Jesus answered them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. These are the words that they need to know. Let's quickly just unpack what those words mean, perhaps. What does Jesus mean by the way? What do they mean? Well, from what we have already said, the way means getting to the Father's house to be in his presence in a place that he has for you. Let me say that again: Get into the Father's house to be in His presence for a place he has for you. And now we can say why Jesus is the way. I can give you two reasons. Only Jesus has paid the penalty for sin we have committed, bringing that opportunity for God's wrath to be taken from us. Jesus has broken down that barrier. Secondly, only in knowing Jesus can we claim that work, that saving work on the cross that removes our sin from us. And note that the second reason is personal in nature. We have to know Jesus personally. In just the same way you might have a friend, and he or she is only a real friend, if you know them with your heart and mind. It's the same with Jesus. It's a heart matter. To know him as the way is to trust that his death on the cross, the cross that we've just spoken about, was for you. And to ask for his forgiveness and for him to come and change your heart. Knowing him is personal. So we see that the way to God is through knowing Jesus. And here is the pertinent question Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? From what we've already said, you must, if you are, to go to the Father's house. You must know him. Secondly, we see in that verse that Jesus says, I am the truth, because he reveals the truth about God. Listen to what Jesus says to Philip in verses 8 and 9. Let's read that together. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So you see that once we come to Jesus, once we come to know him, we also know the Father. Jesus reveals the Father to us. This, This then is why you need to come and know Jesus, because he takes us straight to the Father. In that passage, he actually says that six times. It's almost as if Jesus is introducing us to God. He's introducing us to his Father. I don't know, is there a famous person that you'd like to meet one day? Um, Could be an athlete, Jessica Ennis Hill, a sportsman, Roger Federer. Uh, Pop star Taylor Swift, I hear is still there these days. Um, Christopher Richard might be your thing. I would really like, and I know he has faults, and there would be things I'd like to challenge him on, but I would really like to meet Barack Obama. I'd love that. What if um, after the service we had a chat and I insisted I was going to meet him? I said, that you know what, I've read a few of his books, Um, I really like the guy, and I think that I'm the kind of person, I'm the kind of person that he needs to meet. So, what I'm going to do is, I'm just going to pop over there to where he lives. I think he lives in Washington, he might go to Chicago. I'll check with Stew later. Um, but I turn up there and, um, yeah, I get to know him, introduce him to my family, come back to London. I'll Skype him on Thursdays because I tend to be quite free on Thursdays. He'd probably say to me, That's very funny now, but it's not going to happen. You need some kind of an introduction. You can't just go up to him and say, Hey, I'm now. Um, Because you know that if I did, I'd probably stand outside his house shouting, Hey, Barack! And um, two big bodyguards with sunglasses would say to me, This is your final warning. If you do not move away from this house, you're in trouble. And it would be good if I actually listened to that, otherwise it would hurt. But here we are. We have come uh, to Jesus, and the almighty God, who spoke the universe into being... The mighty God who has angels around him calling holy, holy, holy. Who is unapproachable because of our sin. Our barrier stops us getting to God. Jesus brings us to him. Jesus introduces us to God the Father. Incredible. And Jesus can do that because he and God the Father are one. The words that Jesus speaks are the Father's. The miracles that we read in John's Gospel... And if you haven't done, you really must read John's Gospel. It's amazing. They are the Father's works. Even skimming through, you would find and see all of this, the amazing events that happened. So to reject Jesus, then, is to reject God. This is what many of the leading religious Jews did at the time of Jesus. They decided that they didn't want Jesus, and they hated him. And in doing that, they chose an eternity of an eternity lost to God, ultimately facing his punishment. So we need to accept Jesus. We need to have him as our Lord because knowing Jesus is life. As he says in this I am statement, he is the life. We can really see this clearly expressed if we turn over the page to chapter 17 and verse 3. I don't we do that just now? John chapter 17 and verse 3 says this. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So there it is. Knowing Jesus, who brings us, introduces us to God the Father, confers on us eternal life. Do you see? Knowing Jesus brings eternal life. And it is eternal life with Jesus, God the Son, And with God the Father. This is where we want to be. So, then, how did this help the disciples and us now? This is 2018. And, like the disciples, Jesus isn't actually physically here. Well, what Jesus would will us to do, what he wants us to do, is to believe and trust his words. Believe and trust that verse 6 I am the way, the truth, and the life. Likewise, if you are new to these things, then you are asking the fundamental questions that human history has tried to answer. How do I go to God? How do I know him? What is the route to him? You need to believe the same thing. Believe that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Because as Jesus says in the second part of that verse, there is no other way to him, to God the Father, except through him. And from all the things we've been thinking about, that makes sense, doesn't it? Consider who else has died for sin on your behalf? Or who else can bring you to God the Father like Jesus? All of the other suggested routes that humanity has come up with, they can't answer that. They're stuck. There is no ambiguity about whether this is the right way. God the Father. And God the Son are one. He is the great I am. You remember back with Moses and the Israelites when uh, God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. He presented Himself to the people as the great I am. We spoke about this in the series. This is Jesus saying that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No ambiguity that He is the right way. There is no caveat on your performance either. There's no looking at how good you. Been or the many wonderful things you've done, or not, because you see, Jesus has paid the price, He's paid the price for sin. And so, now when God the Father looks at you, all He sees is the beautiful, wonderful life of Jesus, the Son with whom He is well pleased. But if we choose to reject Jesus, if we decide that we don't want Him, that barrier of sin will keep us firmly shut out. As the Father's presence. So if you have started with him. In the bewildering scenes of life. The turmoil that sometimes we find ourselves in. What Jesus wants us to do. What he wills us to do. Is to believe in him. Believe in him and believe in his words. Believe because he is the way to the Father's house. No matter what happens to us. It was through enduring the agony of the cross and the separation of the the Father to Him that He won our way to God so that you would know Him. It is of such worth. So cherish knowing Him. Cherish Him, even on a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday, and you know it's home group and you completely change your diary to make sure that you get to home group. You kind of get there, rushing in a calm but fast way. You get to home group, you leave home group and rush home and you're completely wired. Anybody looking at you would say, that's just awkward. But why do you do it? Is it worth it worth going through all of that hassle? Yes, because you believe in him and you want to know him more. If you're at school, it's break time. And everybody is saying, look, you've just got to do this thing. It's so funny, but no one's gonna know about it. Just do it, it's a real laugh. But you think this isn't the quite the right way to be. And you decide to choose to be different. Is it worth it? Well, yes it is, because you want to know him. You believe in him and you want to know him more. And everything about Jesus is better, outshines, outlasts anything else in our lives. We want to follow him because he brings us to the Father. We want his truth to guide our steps and our thoughts. And we want his life because it outshines and outlives anything else. So as we draw to a close, we started out with our crazy lost captain um, in that imagined situation on a flight that I hope you never ever encounter. But in all seriousness, there is a question. And it's this. What is your direction of travel? Do you know where your final destination is? It's all too easy to ignore the fact that we are moving, we're travelling somewhere, day by day. And our words, our deeds, our thoughts, they mark out our existence. And that's like a plane in the sky. And God sees it all. He sees all of our life. Jesus says, look, I've opened up the way to him. Believe in me. Follow me. And if we already know him, then rejoice. Rejoice and be glad. Only continue to believe in him. Jesus is the captain of our salvation, who has done all to take us to the Father's house, to a place for you. Why don't we pray together? Lord and heavenly Father, thank you so much for our Lord Jesus. Thank you that He has done it all, so that we might come to the Father's house. Thank you that He has paid the penalty. He has broken down that barrier which we could not, and now we can come and know You. Lord and heavenly Father, please apply that to our hearts. Please help us to see that He is the perfect Christ, and that we should trust in Him. And Lord God, if we already are following Jesus, help us to keep on keeping on. And Lord, may we know and rejoice in the fact that we are going to be with you forever. We pray these things in your name. Amen.